to Nacho's Glen House Stories. This is going to be a hybrid. It's going to be a question and answer as I Instagram live. And it's going to be on some topics. First, topics. This has been uh, an awkward five months for me. I'll be honest. Um, as I got real public with what I did here. Obviously, my intention was to do a cool, interesting, small-scale flower, boutique, farm experience, you know, throwing your adjectives where needed. And that was a good plan. You know, it was a good plan. Good plan. Solid plan. One of the things that clearly was different for me versus a lot of other people was I already had these really large, expansive gardens. So going from a large garden to flower farm, finger quotes, wasn't going to be that hard. I had a technical background in large scale growing. So that wasn't going to be that hard. That was going to be easy. And I saw there was the beginning of a community of people uh, across the world who were doing this thing. I didn't see my background that represented, you know, at first as far as, you know, more production centric, more horticultural, botany specific. So I was like, okay, that that's sort of interesting, but, you know, we'll keep going. And um, solid communicator. And decided, you know, we'd get real vocal on the Instagrams, on the social medias. Now, somewhere between August of 2018 to, as I record this, July of 2020, the world got a little interesting, I think. Uh, You know, I'm not even just talking about global pandemic. I'm talking about the fact that suddenly I, I started to notice some things. Uh, A, I haven't done a great job maybe over time clarifying some things, and I'll take a second here to do that. When I was running sales and marketing for a really large nursery, I saw something that was real endemic and problematic, that we had garden centers and nurseries selling plants to customers, but we didn't really have an educated consumer base. We had people that were enthusiasts, which is awesome, right? And everybody starts at that place. But what we didn't have were places, garden centers, nurseries, that were doing a great job educating. We didn't. And because of that, we weren't taking people up the ladder of success with plants. We weren't even really that concerned with people being successful with plants. We were just concerned with selling people plants, and that was it. And as I worked with garden centers and I worked with nurseries, there's this fine line, right? There's a balance. They're trying to pay their bills and pay their employees and sell plants, and sometimes they go, well, is educating that important? If educating is taking more time and it's not leading to more sales, then we're not going to do it. And I understood that. So that was always frustrating. That was always a challenge. I understood it. These were businesses many times that had, you know, somewhere between, let's call it five to 500 employees. So there's pressure there just to generate sales. There isn't pressure necessarily to educate. And it's that challenge of carrying a short-term goal versus a long-term goal. 
and they were focused on short-term goals, which I totally get. So for me, when I decided to get public with the flowers and what I was doing here, I had hoped that we didn't have some of that same pressure, right? Most of the people doing small-scale flower farming weren't even in five employees, more or less the 500, right? They weren't either one of those. So from my vantage point, I felt very strongly this could be a great moment for education, right? Where, where independent garden centers and nurseries had failed, this lane could do that because we didn't have that pressure. We didn't have that, you know, we've got a payroll of 40 people and we've got to make it every two weeks. But what unfortunately happened along the way was this real lean towards, I think everybody, if you're being honest, could say this of what's going on in society in general. That likes and follows became a really overvalued currency. And people only produce content that they think leads to immediate likes and follows. So again, the short-term gains started to dictate what happens within this category. So there wasn't the pressure of making a payroll, but there was some kind of unspoken pressure to get more followers, to get more attention, which is pretty terrifying. And I noticed it early. And then as the the path continued, just a full disclosure moment here, some real weird things in this local market for me in Nashville. Um, having almost uh, confrontational relationships with people in the market space who were growing flowers. Um, people wanting to create some kind of weird, what felt like high school kind of environment for me and even for some other people that I know in the area. And I, I just felt that was sad. Because at the end of the day, people, if you followed me for more than 18 seconds and paid attention to one piece of content that I've ever produced, uh, I really just like to talk about plants a lot. Like, that's it, right? You know, educate about plants, get you fired up about plants, talk to you about the difference between lavenders and nepetas, and talk to you about fertilization programs and get you jazzed and learn about soil and, and get you that way. That's always been my goal, right? And if along the way you support what I do enough where we make some money, golden, double golden, good deal. But unfortunately, that's not what I experienced in this last 18 months. What I experienced was more of that social media driver. I was, I would say, smart in the way I built what I did here. I collaborated with a lot of people. We built up social media following very quickly compared to a lot of other people who had been doing this for a year or two longer, which really, <laughs> in the grand scheme of the universe, people, a year or two is pretty irrelevant. And I've been gardening longer than most of them have been alive. But anywho, so that, to me, was just sad, right? That we're, we're not judging something based upon merit. We're not judging something based upon intent. But what we are judging it by is social media currency. Hey, who's this person? 
Who do they think they are? How'd they get popular so quick? How'd that happen? Right? Mysteries of the universe. And as I, I continued to develop, you know, more and more, uh, both social media following, launched the podcast, um, my hope was always the same, that we could just educate people about plants. And if we were going to do it through this cut flower, small scale flower farming, boutique experiential kind of thing, hey, that's great. However we get there, we get there. I don't really care. I wasn't, you know, to be very Machiavellian about it, I wasn't really judging the means. I was concerned about the ends. How are we going to educate people more and more about plants? But again, there was this sort of banging drum, distractionary thing that was not interested in that. That social media currency became the short-term goal that telling people whatever they wanted to hear about plants, the same thing I said about the Independent Garden Center and Nursery World, became the thing. And now I was right back to the exact same experience I had dating back to 2008. I don't know about the rest yet, except for maybe 2020. I'm not trying to go back in time. You know what I'm saying? So clearly there was there would be frustration on my part. I can understand for people that have not worked around plants for a long time, and maybe people that are just, you know, wired differently, frankly, that maybe that frustration is just like, what do you care? Right? What do you care if these people are saying things that are either sort of misleading or just telling people what they want to hear, or maybe just flatly untrue? Well, I think if you're passionate about anything in your life, you don't want people saying things that aren't true. You don't want people saying things that you know are not leading to positive outcomes. You, you know that what they're doing, in fact, is negative for a thing you love. That's exactly where I'm at as we speak, right? It's where I've been for the better part of the last five or six months. In this middle ground in deciding, like, what do I want this to be? The podcast, I think, has always been pretty straightforward in what it is. I have guests on that I think is int- are interesting, and we explore topics in a hopefully interesting, entertaining, and enlightening way. Be that whatever it is. Quite honestly, it's whatever the hell I'm interested in. Like, that's it. I always try to say, like, what's on the agenda? What's out there in the universe? I had a lot of people ask me about Rose Rosette disease. So I reached out to one of my professor friends and we did a whole hour podcast on Rose Rosette disease that I would probably tell you is one of the the best pieces of content you could listen to to get an entire picture of what it's about. So that I thought was clear. The business side of what I do here was more the thing that was being a little bit fractured, right? I've also spoken to this subject and I'm I'm gonna hit it here and I'm just gonna, whenever the topic comes up in the future, you'll see, I'll just go ahead and do a swipe up. I'll just be swipe up to listen to me talk about this subject and it'll be this podcast. There are real issues within some industries and cut flowers have maybe more issues of both human rights violations 
economic violations than anything, right? The Whenever you are importing a perishable good from developing nations, it's complicated, right? Relationship status on Facebook, it's complicated. And the cut flower world is, without question, complicated. But I don't think it being complicated means you don't talk about it. It's really the opposite. Hopefully, if any of you are paying attention, in 2020, this has been a big problem with many issues. Issues that are complicated need to be talked about. They need to be talked about. They demand to be talked about. And when you don't talk about them, when you don't, at some point, they will come back. And at that point, they will have festered. They will have taken on a different narrative. That's why it's important to have the dialogue. Now, the cut flower industry is in no way interested in having this dialogue. How do I know? Because I've attempted to have the dialogue. I reach out to people. I, I pick up the tone of what they want to talk about what they don't want to talk about. And those people do not want to have the dialogues. So again, we run into another obstacle, right? We run into another obstacle. We've got people that don't want to talk about complicated subjects. We have people that don't want to talk about it in a transparent way. We're more concerned about social media currency than we are about authenticity in the subjects. And that creates a really uncomfortable place for someone like myself who from the beginning has just said, let's educate people about plants. Let's educate people about gardening. Let's educate people differently than the way we've historically done it. This year was an opportunity for two things. It was an opportunity to see all of that come to light in a real glaring way after COVID-19 began in March. And you could see what was happening. Once again, people were just jockeying for social media platform. They weren't really authentic. They were suddenly now saying how they were going to support local farms just to get attention because they needed it, right? Their weddings, their events had been canceled. They didn't have the same kind of content or platform. They themselves were scared, rightfully so, right? Like this is not me making a judgment on these people. This is me just simply saying that was the time to have dialogue. Like that was the time to talk about the inequities in the way people spend money on flowers in the United States and even internationally. It was an opportunity to have a conversation about what goes on in Latin America versus what's gone on here domestically in the United States or in Europe. Um, their opposite of that would be Kenya. And none of that happened. None of that happened. Did I try to provoke some of that to happen? Did I reach out to people to have those kind of conversations? Yes. Yes, I did. Did it happen? No. Will it ever happen? Doubtful. Doubtful. And because of that, I felt a real need again to sort of pivot what I was going to do here. And I, I played around uh, with the idea of shipping plants through the curated garden collections that we did, which were great, which were great. And that all went really well. So that gave me uh, a choice, right? Because at some point, people have to pay your bills. You know what I'm saying? Which I get. We talked about that from the very beginning, right? Independent garden centers, they have payroll to make. 
I get that. Like that's not a judgment on that subject either. But I wanted to see, you know, could I do it? Would it be smooth? Would it work out? Would people be happy with what they received? And the answer to that was yes. So that gave me a choice of do we do cut flowers? Do we do some kind of like hybrid in between? Like, where does this go? We used to do Dahlia cutting reservations. People are asking about those. Will we do them again? Will those people wear masks? Will they not wear masks? Will they end up going? Who knows? You know what I'm saying, people? It's one of those. It's a compli- again, complicated. It's complicated. It's not judgmental. It's complicated. So it leads me to this episode, this story, which is to maybe define a little bit better what I intend to do moving forward. First off, the podcast is one of the most fun things that I do personally. When I have a really good guest on, I think the conversations are good. I think they can get better. Um, I like it when we can have guests that are a little bit outside of your typical wheelhouse of talking about just plants in a real specific lane. A lot of times the guests that come on that are real gardening centric are sometimes uncomfortable with some of the topics, right? Criticizing the gardening culture in the United States is sometimes taboo in their world, despite the fact that it needs to be, again, talked about in a dialogue. And if people take that as judgmental, well, I think that's the mirror looking back at you a little bit, quite honestly. If people have heard me be critical of small scale flower production, I think I would look at it two ways. I would say, A, have I, as an individual, me, Steve, have I tried to provide endless help and content to the people that are doing that a thousand percent? If I don't give you the answers that you want, because many times they either conflict with science, culture, climate, or knowledge, then hey, that's a you problem, not a me problem. And I don't feel a lot of people have approached it with transparency. We're, we're judging it based upon social media currency. That's it. Oh, that person must be doing great because they have 24,000 followers. That person might must be doing really great. They have uh, 50,000 followers. I'm doing poorly because I have 200. This is sad. This is sad. This is not how you judge sources, right? Sources should not be how many followers do they have, but that's what it's become. Crazy Uncle Larry, you know, hey, hey, Larry, what's up? So I would implore everybody, if you can, if you listen, if you pay attention, reboot your mind on that subject. Social media does not equal credibility at all. Pay attention to the content that people produce. Pay attention to what kind of content they produce. Pay attention. Is this someone who's really providing value? Is this someone who's really knowledgeable about plants? And should I listen? And just because, you know, I was going to segue this into some of the questions that I got for this week. Just because I don't tell you (laughs) what you want to hear does not mean that is not the best advice you'll get that week on that subject. And I understand that people are many times, we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast with Dr. Freeman, that people are really searching right now for just confirmation bias on whatever subject it is. Like, um, I believe that a good healthy diet consists 
of four pastrami sandwiches a day. I found a website, a Facebook group called Eat Four Pastrami Sandwiches a Day, and they're totally right. They have a lot of good articles about it. Yeah, that's not good. Okay? It's not good. And for someone like me, it just drives me crazy, honestly, to watch. So moving forward, here's the game plan. A, we're going to expand the Curated Garden program. We're going to put out a large list of curated gardens that are packages, right? Because I'm running a small business here, people. I'm not running Jeff Bezos' fulfillment centers of plants that I think are cool. There'll be some kind of thematic in each one of the curated garden collections. You place your order, you get your plants in like 48 hours. They ship out on uh, either Tuesdays or Wednesdays of each week. And we will do that throughout the course of the year. If it's zonally appropriate, I will source really cool, awesome things that you don't find, you don't see. Part of what you're paying for is the fact that I'm picking them, people. Like, I'm not telling you this isn't like, oh, this might be a good plant. I'm giving you the Steve at Natchez Glen seal of approval. I'm like, boom. This is a good one. It's the blue check mark of plant selection. That's even though you can't even pay attention to the blue check mark. The world, people. The world has become complicated. So that's what I'll be doing. We will still be doing some cut flower things. A lot of people have asked about it. I'm going to address it here. If it comes up again, I'm just swiping people up to this podcast. This is why this podcast exists, people, for the sole reason for me to reference things to back to. I will tell you, In a time of a global pandemic, as we record this, 150,000 people in the United States have died. I do find it a little bit personally. Do I want to do Dahlia flower cutting tours during that period of time? I'm still not sure. I think we will do something that is a, a public retail flower flash sale, pick up a bucket of dahlias as dahlia season really gets cranking in September. Those for sure. But do I feel it is a little odd to do events like that during the middle of something like this? Yeah, I do. Do I want to potentially see conflicts show up between groups of people? where if maybe one person is comfortable wearing a mask and another person is not, to see that conflict arise between those two individuals and me having to try to play crossing guard between those two people? No. No, I don't. That's why I have hesitated to do those type of things. If there are people comfortable doing those type of things, more power to you. I am not one of those people. I'm not looking to be featured on Karen's Going Wild on Instagram, okay? I'm just not. That's not a shot of anybody. That's just saying that's not for me, okay? not in that world. I'm a person of dialogue and conversation. I'm not really a person that wants to see people just get really weird and polarized over a topic that has clearly become polarizing to people. Speaking of polarizing, ironically... Some of the content I have produced has been polarizing for people. Well, get over it. You'll hear more things like that. If you don't like these type of topics, go somewhere else. You'll find somewhere where there's a unicorn shitting out cupcakes and you two can live forever in harmony. If you are looking for really good, interesting, 
talk about plants, gardening, and the natural world, this is your place. If you're here for the five best perennials for shade, if you're here for that, uh, go somewhere else, because that's that's not what this is about. We need to rebuild the way we think about plants and gardening. We need to rebuild it, ground up. That's what I'm going to attempt to do. That's a hard job, people. Give me a break, okay? One person said something really interesting on an Instagram Live. If you heard something on the audio podcast of this, it was me throwing down a pen. I was doing this entire series, okay? This entire series for small-scale flower farmers right as the global pandemic began, right in March. I'm very on top of these type subjects. I keep up a lot with the economies of business, uh, with the nursery side of things, the horticulture side. That's a big strength of mine is just paying attention to what's going on. So I wanted to be of service to those people. Produced every week an hour Instagram live. Did anybody say thank you? No thank yous were given. It's okay, people. Did that for five weeks. Talked about PPP programs for people before there even were PPP as a thing. Steve Mnuchin and I have said it before. We have the same first name. We're tight, Steve Mnuchin and I. I call him the noosh. So I did that to try to help these people. Now, all the other people in the lane, eh, there wasn't a lot of that talk. They weren't helping these folks. They were just going about, you know, whatever, side dress, compost spreaders. Oh, look at me. I got some new thing. Oh, look at me. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever. I bring that up because that was also a real indicator to me of where this was, right? As that was going on, there weren't a lot of these people that were really being of service to anyone. And even though doing one of those Instagram lives, this was said to me by someone, you seem really angry. You seem upset about the situation. Let me uh, introduce you to a word called passionate. Have you heard of it? It's got like four P's in it. Passionate. Windscreen on the microphone. Passionate. Real test of the windscreen and the pop screen right there. That is the difference. I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset. It's passionate. And maybe people can't relate to that. Because maybe a lot of people are coming at this from a social media currency perspective. But for me, that's what this is. Like, I don't want to see you grow dahlias and have your dahlias fail. I want to see you grow dahlias in a smart way if you can. And love them. And if you grow dahlias one, or if you grow dahlias 10,000, you still find a way to keep loving them which I believe sounds like the beginning of the good song on my part. That's what I want to see happen. And if you're conflating me being really passionate because so many of these other people are milk toast and vanilla with the way they talk about this subject, well, there's a good reason for that. Because they are. They are. They're not really in it because they're passionate about it. They're in it because there's social media currency to be had. That's it. And if that offends some people, so be it. So be it. There's the door. But that's the truth. 
and moving forward. That's what I'd like to see happen. We've got a lot of great people. I've got a ton of awesome people that send me super thoughtful messages. I had a really thoughtful message like a week or so ago, right after the podcast with Dr. Freeman came out about COVID-19. And it it wasn't even a political commentary. It was someone who was in a position where they were confused and they weren't sure and they had anxieties and that she felt that the podcast just helped frame it for her in a way they got information out there. That's what I could hope we could do for every subject, be it something as incredibly important as COVID-19 or epimediums. Two different ends of the spectrum, but the same approach. Dialogue. Dialogue. That's it. And that's what I've always been about. My entire life, not my entire life, when I was a baby, I didn't know me very well. You know, when you're a baby, you don't talk that much, you know, you don't say much, eventually you learn, and then eventually you start talking, which for me was like, you know, at about two weeks old. That's where we're headed, is just good dialogue on these subjects. Almost, I think we would build even people that are interested in small-scale flower farming. If you become a great gardener, First, you would be a much better small-scale flower farmer. If you go the other way, you're not a good gardener, and you try to become a small-scale flower farmer, I think we have problems. Doing it this other way would be better anyways. So that's where we're going to go. Got a lot of episodes already recorded. We'll have even more exciting conversations and dialogues and dynamics with hopefully people that can string words together in a way that feels more than they're reading something off of a sheet of paper that someone printed out for them. It's the worst thing to me is when you go to a conference and they put a PowerPoint in front of you and then the presenter just reads the PowerPoint. Could there be a worse thing? Could there be a sadder thing? No. No, there couldn't. It's like the sad. I mean, it's not the saddest thing, but it's a sad thing. It's a sad, it's a it's a high level of sad. On a scale of zero to ten sads, it's like a 7.1 sad. Okay. That's where we're gonna go. Let's get to some questions and some answers here. Okay. Oh, this is I mean, the amount of questions that come in about dahlias, people, it's like if I had a nickel for every question that comes in about dahlias, I'd have at least 75 cents. What's an example of a fertilization schedule to keep dahlias pumping out blooms? Well, first off, hope it doesn't get insanely hot. That's A, right? If it gets insanely hot, they'll start to shut down. They'll start to, you know, produce a little bit lower. This is really easy. I've said this a bunch of times. You know, one thing you learn, people, is you create a lot of content for social media, podcasts, you do these things. You have to hear yourself repeat a lot, which is a little scary. I mean, you got to hear yourself say, like, sometimes... You know, people ask me, like, how do you go off on this tangent about this or that? It's mostly to keep myself entertained. Because if I just recited it the same way every time, it would be really boring for me. Not maybe for you, but for me, it would be super, super boring. So if I have to make some kind of like complete non sequitur turn in the midst of talking about a Dahlia fertilization program, then I have to do it. Because otherwise, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it gets a little grueling. 
You know, I mean, how many times can you say the same thing? Well, I'd have a baseline level of like once a month applied granular fertilizer that at the beginning of the season would be something with a mid-range nitrogen level. And at the end of the season, I would switch that once a month applied granular fertilizer to something low in nitrogen and high in P and K. Depending upon where I'm at in the country, I would have a once a week fertilization program that gave them a liquid fertilizer. And again, same rule, early season, a little bit more nitrogen. Later season, when the plant's 24 inches or more tall, I'd bring down the nitrogen, ramp up the P and the K, and I'd apply that once a week liquid over the top through an impact sprinkler. If you've just got drip irrigation, do that too. See, I just had to do it. Oh, it's so bad. So it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You just have to hear yourself say it the same way every time. You go to yourself, you go, oh, this guy again with the granular fertilizer talk. Oh my God. Again, with the granular fertilizer talk. Again. Again. So that is exactly what I would do. That is exactly what I would do. What I just said. So just do that. Do what I said. Again, if fertilizer in general, I'll never get an endorsement from a fertilizer company ever. Say la vie. Fertilizer agnostic. It doesn't matter. I learned the N, the P, and the K values. That's all I care about. Everything else is irrelevant. If you want to go down a micro macronutrient talk, that's a different story. But you shouldn't be doing that until you get some kind of you know thorough soil test. By the way, on the soil test subject. Oh my God, so many of these soil tests are shit. Uh, I see people send me soil tests they're getting from places now. It's barely anything. Uh, There's no depth to the soil test at all. Uh, Every single soil test I see given in the state of Tennessee tells people they are low in nitrogen. And that is uh, probably about 100% certain that it is untrue because nitrogen moves. Nitrogen is not consistent in soil. It is always moving through, okay? So that is not true, first thing. Just not true. It's not true. And then what's going to end up happening is people are going to end up throwing a bunch of nitrogen fertilizer in there. They're going to get a nitrogen imbalance and their plants are all going to fail anyways in five years. But you know, whatever. That's just a a side. You know, just an aside, people, just to scare you a little bit. Uh, So uh, here's a good one. Deterrent for rabbits uh, eating dahlias. Uh, Shotguns, uh, Elmer Fudd, but hopefully more effective. Uh, Large dogs. Um, pumas, panthers, leopards. I think if you go over the size of a leopard, I don't think they're going to go after the rabbits. Uh, I think if you go up in scale, okay, I think, okay, so we got to create a scale. Let's look at it like this. Bobcats, lynx, panthers, pumas, leopards. I think if you go up, okay, and you go to like lion, or tiger, I don't think they're hunting rabbits. It's too small. It's too small. Maybe an old lion, an old tiger, maybe. Because they're, they're sort of slow, right? And they're just like, oh, I bet I can get that small rabbit. And they try, and then they fail, and it's real sad. Okay? You may get a lot of likes on Instagram, but you'll probably still have a rabbit problem. We've talked about this before. You know, if you're going to get rid of a pest, you have to be more persistent than the pest. All of the organic products, be they granular, be they liquid, be it liquid fence, be it liquid Uncle Larry who goes outside and yells at them, whatever it is, you have to stay persistent. Weekly, 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 one more, 
weekly applications of whatever product or Uncle Larry it is, because if you don't, they will be more persistent. Everything else that you hear is bullshit, okay? Anybody that tells you and says, what you got to do, okay, what you do is you eat a whole bunch of walnuts, and then you get the walnut shells, and you toast them in the oven after you dust them with cayenne pepper and garlic powder. But you put them in the oven for 36 minutes. Don't do 32. If you do 32, it's too short. If you do 44, it's too long. You got to do 36 minutes. That is not true. You have to be persistent. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. You're trying to deter their habits. That's all you can do. If the rabbits have taken up residency in your garden where you live, it's going to be very difficult to deter them. It's going to be very difficult. Everything else anybody talks about is nonsense. People talk about, oh, well, you what you do is you just give them an area of plants that they'll want to eat as if they won't cross over and eat the plants that you don't want them to eat. Then, of course, fencing. Have you tried to fence rabbits? Like deer, you can fence, right? Deer, you can fence. Rabbits, they like to dig. They'll dig. Have you seen those those paws they have? It's crazy. They'll dig. Uh, Groundhogs, same problem. They'll dig. They'll go under things. They don't care. So unless you are going to go full offensive measures, you're going to be looking at deterrence. And the deterrence, you have to be persistent with. Like, that's it. That's it. There's no like one that's better than the other. It's all the same one, you know? Uh, Dahlias have speckled their malted leaves. Cause, um, you took a magic marker? I don't know. I mean, I have to see a picture. Uh, Typically, uh, depending upon the color of the, the spots, they're probably yellow, right? If they're yellow, it could indicate either overwatering or if it's in the interior of the leaf, it's usually over and the tubers are rotting. If it's on the outside of the leaf towards the edge of the margin, it could be underwatering or it could be the beginning of like a mosaic, you know, which is a virus. But it's probably not that because I don't see it as much in dahlias. Roses, yeah. Mosaics out there in the universe are a pretty good clip. But dahlia, it's not as much. Um, have to see pictures. That needs photo evidence. Photo evidence. I can't do this. Just, you know, I don't have like telepathy. I'm just like, what does it look like? You know, I had somebody earlier uh, over on the Facebook. You guys know the Facebook. Uh, somebody sent me something. Really bad picture. Super blurry. It was blurry. I thought it was tripping or something. I was like, oh my God, did I do too much LSD today? The uh, photo asked for a new one. I was like, either I'm hallucinating or that photo is blurry. They sent me uh, new ones and it was Rosette disease. That's it. It was easy. But photos, people. Photos. I got to see the photos. We got to have the photos. If we don't have them, it just doesn't help. Okay. Oh, this one is one of my favorites. I've seen people putting bags on their dahlias. Do I really need to put bags on all my dahlias? Yeah, these people, they have a lot of free time. I mean, they get these organza. I think they're organza or organza. I'm going to go. I'm going to go organza because it just sounds more fun. Organza. They put these organza bags, which are to prevent bugs. Uh, they're just these really super tight, fine mesh bags that they put over the top. Uh, you know, some people use them for like, you know, ironically, uh, 
little satchels, you know, little satches of things um, to prevent bugs from getting on them. Uh, I don't know how many flowers you grow, but if you have to bag every single one of them, this sounds nightmarish, right? If you had like three dahlia plants and you were all committed, right? You're all committed. You're like, I am not going to spray a chemical ever. Then I would understand this practice. I would be like, hey, this is a this is something maybe I could see someone committing to. But when you say you're over like 10 and you're going to put these baggies on them, first off, let's also have this conversation. How are you enjoying it? What's, what, what's, what's behind that bag? A beautiful flower. No, 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 no. But how can you see it through the baggie? I envision it in my mind's eye. What? Is this real? Yeah. Most of the people we see doing this, again, are in the cut flower lane. That's, that's who's doing it. And they don't want to spray anything. And because they don't spray, they put the baggies on. I, I've also had this question with the baggies. How does the baggie work on the big varieties of Dahlia? Like, do you have to get like an extra big baggie? Like, do you have to get the extra big baggie to put the extra big talismans in? Like, how does that work? Right? Like if you have a big like Crevicolvea or like one of these really big varieties, how does the baggie work? Like doesn't the baggie at some point start to constrict the plant, the flower bud a little bit, right? Because it's not like you can cut dahlias super duper early, especially the dinner plates. Like nobody ever talks about that with their crazy, you know, the crazy bags. Like the crazy bags make no sense. Yeah, no bags, no bags, no bags for you. Again, this comes down to the same thing. Personal choice and dialogue on the subject. If you don't want to spray at all, but you want to try to keep bugs off your dahlias, get crazy Uncle Larry to go out there and tell him to yell at all the bugs. Get off there, bugs. Bugs, I see you, bugs. Get off them damn flowers, right? Do that. Or put baggies on them. Or one step up, use some kind of organic certified spray, an Omri spray, We've talked about this before, Spinosad, it's in trust. I always get confused with Ensure, which is like a, a protein drink that you see at like, you know, the weird sections at like CVS and Walgreens. Use that. Use like a pyrethrum-based, Omri-based spray to keep bugs off, right? If we're at that level. Or use synthetic chemicals. And there you go. There's your choices. But don't, you don't have to do the bags. This is what I'm talking about, right? Very beginning of the podcast, talking about these things. People see things. These people don't clarify. They don't have good dialogue on these subjects. Then people think they got to go get baggies. The last time I saw baggies like that, there was a scale involved and a sort of shady guy telling me how much something was per ounce. Okay? Now, I don't want to incriminate myself, but I'm going to say it was somebody with a baggie, somebody with a scale, and somebody telling me a price per ounce, which typically I don't associate with dahlias. But maybe I'm missing something. That could be. Could be. I'm not I'm not down with all of these things, right? Lavender. Lavender. Uh, lavender. Lavendula. Lavendula is first off more fun to say. 
It'll also be a yoga brand that I'll be creating in 2021 to rival Lululemon, Lavendula. Is incredibly prone to every bit, every bit of fungal activity that is known to the universe. There's two things here. Tips growing French lavender. First off, get like this. This new one I've been growing phenomenal has been, as the name implies. But it won't really be a test of it until we go through like a wet, cool winter with it, right? Usually, you know, what you're saying is they're drying, which I'm a little skeptical of. Like, is it drying or is it fungal activity? Right? It's a fine line between trying something and fungalizing something. That's not a word. There's a fine line between those two things, right? That's what typically is the early indicator of fungal activity on lavender. It starts towards the base because most of the, the actual pathogen, the, the actual fungal spores themselves, are on the soil. And then as the rain splatters, the itsy bitsy fungal spider went up the water plant. Up came the fungal spores and knocked out all the foliage. Copyright 2020, that's just Glenn. Okay, so that's my first thing. Uh, super fast draining soil, full sun, good cultivar. That's it. English lavender, even worse in hot areas of the world. Even worse. Uh, much better chances with French. Horrible chances with English. Spanish, uh, the, the, a lot of them are hybridized now. Nobody talks about this, but there's been a lot of crossover between the three. So now we have, um, essentially, I think they're even listing some of them now as Lavendula Intermedia. Intermedia is like the taxonomic version of we don't know generic. Like it's a cross between two. We're not sure which ones. Don't add, ask us. We'll call it Intermedia. That's essentially what it is. Uh, here, we're going to cover one more. Then we got to wrap up, people. And we had a lot of questions this week. And the, the timer's going to go off. And I'm going to get yelled at. And it's going to be bad. Oh, this is a good one. What are the seeds people are getting in the mail from China that they didn't order? These seeds contain an alien species that is here to crawl into people's brains and take over their rational thought. It will make them go on their phone and create accounts and giving them whimsical or interesting names like Crazy Uncle Larry Life. And they'll go on said social media and they'll post all kinds of crazy, heinous thoughts just to get the attention of their parents that they didn't get in their formative years. That's what the seed... Oh, too late. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Damn, 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 damn. Just when you thought they had a good idea of mailing these seeds to people. It turns out they were too late. So now it's just redundant. Now we already have it. I don't think it does anything. I think it's a, you know, it's a zero times zero equation. It's already happened. Now that the seeds are here, it can't do more of it. So it'll just stay the same. Uh, yeah, that's a crazy story. I have, I have, I have, you know, I think I saw somebody had germinated them and they look like they were almost like a water lily of some type, which could be invasive, could not be invasive. My theory on this entire subject is, who knows? There is so much clickbait on 
social media. There is so much clickbait on just general web browsing. Like, I will be on a website that I would never guesstimate would have, like, paid placement for clickbait, and up comes a sponsored post or something. And you're like, how did you guys know that I was looking for fresh tangerines shipped from Florida? And I wasn't, right? Like, that's the thing. I wasn't. Or was I? Or did I just not know yet that I was? That they knew before I knew what what I knew that I wanted, that they knew it before I knew that I wanted it, Jeff Bezos' Lex Luthor. That's the simple math. That's the simple math. One plus one equals Jeff Bezos' Lex Luthor. I mean, let's not pass up. I know everybody was with Mark Zuckerberg, and yeah, he's got a a way about him, for sure, for sure. But let's not deny the uncanny resemblance between the fictional character of Lex Luthor and Jeff Bezos. Like, we, we can't just gloss over that. We can't just jump and go, oh, no, I don't see any similarity between these two. No, they look like identical, like identical. Like one day when Jeff Bezos says, attention, attention, I have created some kind of mech suit built out of a rare mineral called kryptonite, and that's what's going to allow me to deliver things to your door faster. I'll be the one who said I told you so. Okay? Like, just like I did about all the gardening content. They're like, he was right about all that, too. And he knew that Jeff Bezos was Lex Luthor the whole time. Yeah. People can't hide things against me. Okay? Like, I'm paying attention out here on these streets. Like, I don't get distracted by crazy Uncle Larry. Like, crazy Uncle Larry, he's right over here. He's yelling in my ear all the time. He's like, oh, have you seen about this new thing about how the government has... I'm like, the government? What about Lex Luthor over here? What about him? You're not concerned about him? Talk about people. By the way, if anybody works uh, for the Federal Trade Commission out there in the universe, uh, can we maybe look into the fact that this guy owns too many things? Can we maybe look into it? Just take a moment. Just take a moment and do some math. Be like, hold on, $1 trillion plus all of the data collection and storage in the country owns groceries, owns retail, owns logistics and distribution, is attempting to create flying drones that will fly things to people's homes and will be autonomous and probably have lasers embedded into their systems and hardware. Maybe we should take a second. Maybe we should just take a second and be like, um, can we have a conversation about that? Can we, can we, can we talk for a second about that and and what that means to everybody? So, all right, kids, hopefully that clarified a few things for everyone because these questions come up. People want to know things. I understand that. No one wants to know things more than me. And this podcast and this Instagram live have hopefully brought a little clarity to these subjects. I'll close with this thought. Anyone that wants to learn about plants at whatever level you want to 
right? You want to start a small home garden. You have a little piece of land. You have a terracotta pot. Or you have a 400-acre estate. I want to see people be interested and passionate about plants. If you confuse the passion that I bring to the subject about people getting educated about plants in a way that I think everyone would agree works versus ways that people are being introduced to plants that doesn't work, then boohoo for you. Move on with your life. But that's been the goal from day one. It'll continue to be the goal. And now that we're moving forward with these curated garden collections, every single episode, I can bring up the fact that we're sponsored by Natchez Glen Curated Garden Collections. I mean, I won't say it maybe necessarily like that every time because, again, that would get boring. But now I can say it, and that'll be fun. You know, people that lived in, like, Iowa before, they couldn't order cut flowers. That doesn't work. Everybody started to ship cut flowers, by the way, too. So that made that unfun. People are like, oh, here, I'll ship you some flowers. How much does it cost? And they're like, oh, you don't worry about it. We'll pay you. Is this a business model? What 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 is what's going on? Is there, is there, was there like a PPP program that Steve Mnuchin didn't tell me about? Was there one going on for a long time where they were just like, um, would you like a lot of disposable income and no like, you know, way to have to ever pay it back? Was, was I unaware that that program? I thought Steve and I were tight. I got I to gotta text the noosh as soon as we get off here, okay? All right, everybody. Remember, just guard. That's it. Cross ties of these old abandoned rails Wondering about the stories they could tell I think of all the weight I carry on my own And I try to empathize with all they bear There's something about the sun that brings me back to life it's just like staring in your eyes And I can't tell you what it is I'm doing here All I know is nothing's felt so right So let me stay Feeling this way
for you 